Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gundog world. You will hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think it would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogityourself.com and complete the form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody. We have Bryce Hayes on the line for this month's profile episode. Bryce, how are you doing tonight? Hey, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So go ahead and start off with telling everybody where you're from. Yeah, I'm out here uh, in California. Um, You know, this is probably the most social interaction I've had since all this COVID-19 stuff has been going on. And um, I know your guys' perception of, of people out West here, we're, we're borderline socialist communists, you know, California, <laughs> uh, China, same, same thing right now. No, Cali, uh, China, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. we're, if we're your I'll only social escape, I apologize. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got two kids under three. Um, you know, so my, hopefully my vocabulary is up to par. Oh man. Two. <laughs> Two kids under three, uh, man. I tell you what, you're you're happy to just get uh, get a few minutes away. Like you, you're still at the stage where you're pretending yeah. you got to go to the bathroom just so you can have peace <laughs> yeah. and quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> long, long, long bathroom breaks, but uh, does your yeah, dog follow nice, you uh, in the bathroom though? She, yeah, she does. She uh, <laughs> she she doesn't she doesn't know social distancing, but no, it's nice to have a dog for a little bit of an outlet during these times for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. I tell you what, I've I've spent some time in California. Uh beautiful little place called Twenty Nine Palms. You familiar with that area? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Desert. Right? Yep. Yep. No, All desert. Yeah, I'm, I'm kinda I'm in the Central Valley. Um no, and honestly, um there are th- some things to be desired, you know, uh whatever you want to call it politically or whatever out here, but it's a it's place and it does have some good opportunity for um hunting and fishing and it's it's pretty diverse and no it, um, there it are really does 
Yeah, there's a yeah. there's a lot of stigma that that goes along with California, and uh, I mean, I think you guys have like a seven duck per day limit out there, if I remember correctly, and mm-hmm. and you've yep. got some yeah. some bird species that you know aren't anywhere else. Well, I won't say there aren't anywhere else in the country, but there's a lot of hunting opportunities yeah. in California. Not trying to blow up your favorite spot uh, to the rest of <laughs> the world or whoever listens to us, yeah. but. But well, it's, some of my it's underrated as a hunting state. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I lived here, um, you know, by choice and, um, you know, I, we enjoy it out here. Um, most of my, most of my favorite waterfowl spots are up North, uh, where I went to college at. I'm, I'm back down here in the central Valley now, but, sure. uh, so yeah, you, you can, you can blow those up now if you want to, but <laughs> only make it up there a couple times a year. Sounds good. Well, man, let's get started hearing about your dog. Um, what kind of dogs you running and tell us how you got into all this. Yeah. So, um, just real quick on the background. Um, so I grew up with, uh, golden retrievers in a black lab. Uh, my dad actually got a golden retriever as a wedding gift when him and my mom got married. And, um, so, and he was always a bird hunter and, um, great father. Uh, but he left a little to be desired as far as, bird dogs and bird dog training, you know, his idea of a bird dog, a flusher was, you know, get a 20 foot lead and, and put a clasp on each end and tie one into your belt loop and one into the dog and, and walk through a field. And that was a, that was kind of how you hunted. Well, that is uh, a method. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's one way to do it. So, you know, that's kind of what I grew up seeing. And then, um, I, I got to go out to a junior pheasant hunt and, hunt over Brittany and, and got on a point of bird there and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit and, uh, fast forward, you know, many years later, starting a family, buy, buy your first house, have a couple kids and, and now it's time to get another dog. And, um, so yeah, I wound up, uh, getting a poodle pointer after some extensive research and, um, couldn't be happier with the dog. Uh, she's almost two and a half now female. Um, I've taken her, uh, through NA, she wound up with the prize one, one ten, uh, three in track. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now with her. Nice. So what, what made you decide on the poodle pointer? You said you did a bunch of research, but was there anything that stood out that, you know, one thing that really made you go the poodle pointer, poodle pointer route? Um, yeah, there, you know, there's a few things. So you know, growing up, the dogs were always outside dogs and I knew this was going to be different. I knew she's going to be an inside dog. Um, and so it's funny cause you know, we joke about the no shedding dogs and such thing. Right. So right. we kind of, <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't want to laugh cause you know, just the, the hair's a nightmare to deal with. And, um, and especially after seeing the pointer, you know, so I kind of, I had to have a dog that pointed, but I also like waterfowl hunting. So I had to have a dog that would go out and retrieve a duck. Um, so that kind of narrowed down to the versatile field and then, um, wound up, you know, kind of going bearded dog route, um, you know, the, the, the closer to not shedding dogs between the, the Griffons, the German wire hairs or drops and, um, the poodle pointer were basically what I narrowed it down to. I think you're either, you know, you either love the way those dogs look or you can't stand them. And I, you know, my dog. <laughs> Well, she looks pretty good with the beard if I, if I don't say so myself. So, 
Um, she's a good looking gal, but, uh, no, I, uh, once I started reading up on them and just, you know, the, how they're not AKC and, and, you know, they're not for show and, um, they're really just for hunting families and all that. I just, I was just drawn to that immediately. And that kind of set me on the search. Um, you guys' last, uh, profile, he talked about, you know, the, uh, Bob Ferris and Cedar Woods and, and his, his experience with that is, is exactly on point with that. You know, I started that way too. Everybody wants a Cedar Woods dog. Um, and it's just, you gotta be consistent. And I, I just, I didn't know now, and I didn't know anything at the time. And, you know, I kind of got the run around. And so I was like, man, I, I'm not going to get a dog ever if I go this route. So I, I looked for breeders in California that I could kind of establish a, a relationship with. And I found, um, a guy from Bridgeport, uh, Mark Westerland with DreamWorks gun dogs. And he has a lot of Cedarwoods dogs in his lines and, um, you know, Rock Creek and all the, all the big names for poodle pointer. So I, I went with him and he was able to get me a dog fairly quickly, fortunately. And, and here I am. Nice. So you got your bearded lady and so <laughs> you, you said that you were raised around some retriever breeds and everything. Is this your first gun dog that you've trained yourself? Yes, exactly. Yep. So what's describe what the journey's been like. I know it was kind of a, a run around trying to find a breeder and then you settled on one. Um, where did you start? I mean, you said you ran her in NA. What were some of the things you did with her as a puppy specifically share some um, of your mistakes? We always like to hear that. Yeah. I got, I got a lot of, uh, what not to do's and, so hopefully you, your listeners will be able to get some takeaways with that, but <laughs> we um, all do. Yeah. So basically we have, uh, Parvo out here is really bad. Um, so the, the, it's kind of almost like this COVID-19 stuff going on. You're, you're basically the dogs are in lockdown until they're four months old and have all their vaccinations. Yep. Um, so you, you really can do a whole lot of, with her, um, at, up until four months of age, you know, except for, you know, she's basically quarantined to your property. And, uh, so I think at five months I got tied in with the local NABDA chapter that was actually just starting up. It was like one of their first few meetings. Um, and I went out there and it was interesting. Um, you know, they kind of put NA dogs to one side and utility dogs to the other. And one of the guys out there was like, well, we don't teach our dogs to sit and we don't really do any obedience for a whole year. And I'm thinking like, I'm going to try to duck hunt this dog coming up. And so I got to teach her to sit in a duck line and, and I'm not going to have a dog with zero yep. obedience for yep. an entire year. That just sounds terrible. But, you know, I understand what he was saying now looking back at first, I was like, I don't, I'm not sure if this is going to be my cup of tea or not. Right. But, uh, you know, he's got, they're preaching to the, to the masses, you know, not specifically. And there's, to be honest, there's not a lot of duck hunters in this particular area. So sitting and staying is, is not a huge deal up at that point. But, um, so yeah, anyways, I, I just kind of one of those guys that jumped right in. And so I, uh, I kind of figured out what was required at the NA test and I saw what they were kind of working on. And so I found a chapter in Southern California and they had an opening and I signed her up. And so she was scheduled to run the test at like seven months old. And this is like, I'm at five months already with minimal work because of the Parvo stuff and just no experience. And, uh, so I just went for it. And, um, so yeah, I basically ran her without a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of experience, I guess. Um, I got a water work story. I'll come back to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's interesting, but you know, the test, I, I think the test went well. I, 
one of the things I'm, we did the field work first and I, uh, I'm sitting in line kind of waiting to go watch another dog and they're just slamming points and doing good. And I'm like, man, I don't even know really what my dog's going to do out here. And I kind of hear this guy in the back talking like, you know, the best thing these handlers can do. I think he was probably running the UT test with his dog, but is, is just go out there and don't do anything. Just don't, just let your dog run wild and, you know, don't say anything. They can't judge you on, on anything that you don't command them to do. Yep. And so I heard, I heard that and he wasn't even speaking to me. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Cause I have no idea. You know, I ran, I scheduled it at seven months thinking like, okay, I'm going to have, you know, another shot at this thing when I blow it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you went out there and did good, man. She, um, she was pointing and, uh, you know, I hadn't done any recall work with her at that point, really formally anyways. And, um, so she, you know, she pointed the tracker, flushed him and she, she went over to the next field, chased him down, got him and brought him back. But it's, it's a good thing she caught up to him because I don't know that, you know, without any recall work and if the judge would have asked me, you know, okay, bring a dog back, you know, she, she wasn't coming back, but fortunately <laughs> she caught up to the bird and, uh, she, you know, she wanted to show me what she got. So that worked out really good in the field. Yeah, that worked That's- out perfectly. So I was just telling Nick the other day that when you look at scores on the NAVDA website, it, everything kind of tells a story. Um, especially wow. when something's not a maximum score, you can kind of look at, you got to kind of get a picture of what the dog is like. Um, it, it tells a little bit of a story. And I think what you're describing seven month old dog hadn't done anything with it. In my opinion, that really fulfills the purpose of the natural ability test because sure. you're legitimately seeing what the natural ability of this dog is. Um, right. So it's, you know, of course there's a little bit of luck and everything too. You hadn't worked any recall at all and that ended up working out for you. But I'd, I'd much rather see a seven month old dog with a 110 than a year old dog with a 112 or something like that. Um, or someone yeah. that's poured a lot of training time into a dog to, to get that score. I mean, that's, that's really impressive that you hadn't done much with the dog. It just speaks a lot about the inherited traits of the dog in my opinion sure yeah you know going back i don't uh you know i probably wouldn't have done my you know even though how little i knew at the time um you know i probably wouldn't have done a whole lot different you know like you said i think it it kind of shows a good picture of what the dog is at that point in time um for sure yeah. so had you had you put your any birds in front of your dog prior to the test um prior okay so prior to the test I found a guy here locally that sold me some birds. Um, he had contracts with our department of fishing game for pheasants and he had some bobwhite quail. And so I put some quail out in an alfalfa field for, and, um, I grabbed a buddy that he hadn't really been around bird dogs. And I think he wound up letting two of the birds out of the, of the bag, you know, trying to get them and I'm trying to handle the dog. So I was kind of a disaster, but she got, she got on a few birds and, you know, I never really saw a real staunch point. I wasn't, you know, I kept reading the rules of like, you know, uh, what a point is and all this stuff. And I, you know, I've never owned a pointing dog. And, um, so she had, she had done a little bit of work and then the pheasant, the pheasant track, I got one hen pheasant, um, and I, you know, pulling the, uh, flight feathers off and that bird took off the opposite direction. And at $20 a pop, I'm like, well, that's, that's all she's going to get. And, you know, that's my fault, you know, with the three inch rack because she never really had an t- opportunity except for some of the other little things that I did with her, you know? Um, 
But yeah, it was, it was pretty minimal, but yeah, we went out there and worked a little bit, like a couple weeks before the test. And that was, that was the extent of it basically. And I I love that just a caveat off what Adam and and you were just talking about it. It really gives you the true purpose of what the NA test is all about. And, you know, it's so many people get caught up in just going for that max prize score and, they they train the dog until they're 16 months old and hey it's your prerogative it's your dog you do what you want uh but it it defeats the purpose of what the na test truly is and in my opinion whatever that's worth but i need to circle back you you kind of teased us with the water training story and uh i want to make sure that we touch on that and get get what that uh story's all about (laughs) okay yeah so um, I knew there's a water portion to the test and I'd have the dog in some swimming pools and a little bit of water around here. And so I knew she would be fine swimming, but, um, so it's like a Sunday after church or something. And, um, we, um, I told the wife, I said, let's take the, at, this, at the time we only had one, one girl at the time. Let's take the kid and go to the park. And there's a, uh, a pretty good bond at this park. And uh, I'm going to let the dog get in the water a little bit, just get comfortable with different bottoms and surfaces and stuff. So we get there and um, there's some coots swimming around. And so I'm like, (laughs) the dog's getting amped up, you know, wanting to go get them. And so I'm like, no, let's let's go to the other end. And so I throw a couple bumpers for her and she goes and gets them no problem at all. No lead on her, nothing. Um, And she's, she does it fine. And uh, so we're, we kind of mess around with that for a little bit and then, Toward the end, when we're getting ready to go home, we're walking back, and the coots are still there, and the dogs wanting to get them, wanting to get them, and um, we're kind of away from people at this point. And I'm like, ah, what's the harm in that? Just let her go, you know, let her burn off some steam. And so I, I take her off the leash and let her go for it, and she just charges and, and busts them up, and uh, she's not coming back. She, she's chasing these birds, and they're just toying with her out in the middle of this pond, which is you know a couple hundred yards out, you know, and. Uh, these coots are uh, going from just one side to the other, not really working hard, but she gets close and they kind of disperse and then she goes after them that way. And then they kind of go back to the middle. And then it, this is going on for a while. Um, you know, this dog hadn't swim, swam that much before. And so it's starting to draw a crowd of people and my wife's getting worried. And, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> There's, there's no sign of this dog, you know, that I haven't worked recall with her and I'm, I'm trying to get her to come back and she's, she's not coming back. And so I don't, I don't want to exaggerate at all. So conservatively it's, it goes on for like five minutes and you can start to, you know, hear it in her respiratory. Just, she's getting tired. She's getting weak. <laughs> right. And, there's a little uh, puppy out there. It, yeah, exactly. So yeah, she's six months old, five months old, whatever. And, uh, so I'm at, this point I'm mad at her cause she's not listening and I'm just like, whatever, she's just going to, you know, she's either going to sink or she's going to swim and whatever. <laughs> Literally. $2,000 experiment gone wrong. Right. But, uh, yep. and then I, I think we've all been there before where you're like, man, I'm just so <laughs> mad at this dog. <laughs> exactly. So I get to thinking about it. I'm like, well, if she does go under by the time her head goes under, it's going to be too late. And there's people kind of gathering around. And so, I kick my shoes off and I, I got to swim out through the middle of this nasty pond that they have these little trout derbies in and it's just, it's gross. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I get her out of there, but that's, that's the only way she's coming back. And, and my wife, she loves telling that story because, um, you know, I'm sure I'm on somebody's 
somebody's Facebook feed or something. I don't know. Oh, that, I, that, man, I, that, that's it, awesome. The dog at the park or something. But yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I tell so many people, I'm like, hey, you know, if you're training a versatile dog and you've never had to go swimming after your dog yep. or to prove a point to your dog at some point yeah. during the training, then you're not doing something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was a lesson learned on my part. I, I you know, I, I thought she would just go and, have a little fun with them and come right back. But no, that wasn't, that wasn't happening. So anybody <laughs> out there listening and can learn from that one mistake, that would, uh, I think that would be worth it right there. Um, I also lost her at a refuge before. Um, I, I think your guys' refuge or I can't, I can't recall what you call them out of these, but ours are like just department of fishing game property, but all wild birds and sure. we duck them out there. Um, I lost her out there before too, just loading up, you know, putting the waders on, getting the shotgun out of the truck. And she took off wanting to go hunting with the first guy out of the lot. You know, this place is, <laughs> is tons and tons of acres. And at the, at the time I'm too cheap to buy a, a good collar for with GPS and stuff. And yeah, so I, I almost lost her there too. So, um, you know, when you think about, uh, I'm going to let her burn off some steam so she'll sit in the blind and, <laughs> and behave a little bit when she's young and that doesn't work out. That doesn't work out good either. You know, you got to call your wife and say you lost your dog. But yeah. fortunately, we found her a couple hours later with hunting with some other guy. She took off with the first guy out of there and was trying to hunt with him. <laughs> just, you're going too slow for her. Just <laughs> yeah, happy. Exactly. Probably happy as anything to just be out hunting with anybody. So I, yeah. I got to ask, have you, you know, at this point, do you have a, a good recall on her by now? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I've been, after the NA was over, I've been, uh, working pretty good on her. She's, she's pretty strong little dog. And that was, that was kind of one of my things with getting a female dog was, you know, I had all these real knuckleheaded, hardheaded, uh, male dogs, the labs and goldens. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a little softer dog and a female. And, um, this dog's a, she's a knucklehead a little bit, you know, <laughs> yeah. on the side. Well, I, I got to know, how did she do hunting that morning with that guy? What what kind of report did he give you? <laughs> did he try to buy her? Did she Did she uh, retrieve some dogs? No, the guy, the, guy, the guy was an old, crusty guy, and she's a puppy, and she's super wooly at this point in time. She's kind of lost her her wooliness. He kept her beard, but she's kind of a little bit more slick up now. But So she, when she got all wet, you know, I heard her curly, and he's like, I'm sure this guy, he's, you know, probably in his sixties and he's only ever duck hunted with labs or seen labs. And he's like, I don't know what this thing is. And he just tied her up out there and, um, you know, cause you're kind of waiting out in the middle of these, these ponds that you have assigned that you're assigned to. And when he, when we got to her, he's like, I don't know. I don't even know what this thing is. Just, just get her out of here. <laughs> just and, get uh, her out of here. <laughs> yeah. oh, so, that's awesome. Well, I think you, you take the cake. I don't think we've had somebody on with a story of their dog just running away to hunt with somebody else. Uh, yeah. so that, that's awesome. I love that story. So Bryce, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story before we let you go. Is there any, any bit, bit of advice or something that you've learned by training your first first gun dog that you know you you would just advise a beginner or somebody just starting to look at a gun dog what would you say to them um uh, you know i'm i'm an amateur myself and and look how many times i screwed up and i still got a pretty dang good bird dog out of the situation so um it's i think it's easy to get intimidated and um it's an, it's important to do to read your books and listen to your podcasts and and, you know, be mentored by wise people. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you're going to screw up no matter how much planning and, and what you put into it. And so 
you know, you just got to jump in and, um, consistency is huge. And I mean, we could go, there's a whole long list of, of little key things that I like. Um, I don't know that we have the time for that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you can just, just grab a dog and, and stick to it and, and find some good people and, and get the training and you'd be surprised at what you wind up with. Yeah, that's great advice, man. I think anyone that's, that's feeling a little bit intimidated about getting a gun dog and getting into it, you know, most of these bird dogs and versatile dogs are so well genetically programmed that you can make mistakes with them and they recover really quickly. So that's good advice, man, just to, to jump in there and understand that you're going to make mistakes, but the dog's going to recover from it. Sure. And, and, you know, props to you guys too, because, you know, back when we were two years ago and two and a half years ago when we were starting out there, I mean, just in that short amount of time, there's been uh, multiple different podcasts and, and different events and stuff that have, have become available. So I think that you guys are doing your part and, and what you're doing. And now that I listen to some of this stuff, you know, at the time I wasn't, and I just think, you know, maybe they were out there at the time. I just didn't know and had known, but, uh, some resources have become available and, you know, I think you guys are doing a pretty decent job at helping guys like myself out now and, yeah, we, we really appreciate it, man, because that's specifically yeah. what we want to focus on is is helping people out and sharing our mistakes and uh, getting people like you to come on and share mistakes as well. So we can't thank you enough, man. We've enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, sounds good, guys. Thanks again for having me on, and uh, I'll uh, look forward to listening. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.